0: Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end emotion. They roll right. Bowers throws. Pass is knocked away. Complete. Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal out now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And hey, welcome to our Monday night show of Sportsana, here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a nice weekend. boys. So a lot has happened since we last spoke on Thursday night. We had our greatest games on Friday, which was a baseball classic from last year at the Big Ten Tournament. That was fun to hear, but our, our world is certainly undergoing a tough stretch here. Obviously we've been dealing with the coronavirus for the last couple of months which has shut down most of, a, of the world. Uh, certainly the sports world has been shut down and, and now racial tensions flaring up all around the country and, and that is certainly uh, Nebraska, the state of Nebraska has not been immune to that with uh, problems both in Lincoln and Omaha where curfews have been instituted over the last couple of days. Uh, and and even a a tragic death in the city of Omaha that that community is dealing with. Uh, And this all stems from a couple of different instances that have happened in our country as it deals with race relations over the last couple of months. The most recent was the horrific death of George Floyd up in Minneapolis where the police officer inexplicably uh, keeping pressure on his neck that caused him to perish uh, which has fueled a lot of this in the last week or so. And Husker basketball coach Fred Hoiberg, who has a real affinity for the Minneapolis area because he was a part of the Timberwolves organization for quite some time, he put out a really nice statement, Ben, on on Saturday night, and I'm just going to read this to everybody. Minneapolis holds a special place in my heart to see what has developed. is heartbreaking. It's unfortunate that it takes tragic and avoidable events to remind us that hate never wins we can all hope for positive outcomes but regardless lives have been senselessly lost and forever changed i pray that this beautiful city can rise above the hate and service and national role model for making positive meaningful change in this country as the head coach of incredible young black men, I know I have a job to do to help them grow on and off the court. I have told them when we are all back together in the coming days, I will have a team meeting that will allow all of us to come together to find ways to make positive change. We all have a role in this. And for me, I plan on doing whatever I possibly can to protect and support my players through these tragic and sad times. I pray for George Floyd, his family, and all the innocent lives of That have been taken away by senseless acts I pray that we can all come together and be better from this everyone stay healthy and be safe incredible words from Fred Hoiberg again those came out on Saturday night and as it relates to Minneapolis and then really since that came out on Saturday it's really heated up closer to home and as I mentioned at the top both Omaha and Lincoln now dealing with curfews there's been property damage there was a murder that took place down in the old market area of Omaha a couple of days ago as well it's it's really this is a this it's pretty explosive right now ben and it's it's all across the country you just turn on your news and you can see these these situations bubbling up all across america it's a really really touchy times right now that everyone needs to be sensitive about yeah there's no
1: question about it and i feel like you know this
0: isn't the first time that
1: nebraska basketball has has taken a stand against something like this you know you think back to um, the hate speech that a UNL student um, put out in a video uh, regarding uh, white supremacy uh, against black students or black people in general on on the University of Nebraska campus, and that was the "hate will never win" campaign. The the basketball team had the shirts made, and that was a very sobering press conference to be in. Evan Taylor was a senior at the time uh, from Ohio, was was very vocal as a mouthpiece of that team, and. I earned a lot of respect for Evan for speaking up at that time and earned a lot of respect for Coach Miles, too, for basically echoing the same statement that Fred Hoiberg made, um, you know, this past weekend, you know. And, you know, as somebody who's about to, you know, bring in somebody else to the world um, with a new child next week, you know, you try and – figure out what type of world they're coming into and and what type of person you want them to be. Greg, you have three daughters and Josh has a young kid and Nate has a young kid. And, you know, to bring somebody into the world at this time, it's, it's, it's hard to really comprehend where to put your energy because um, you know, it's, it's, it's coronavirus related. It's, it's race related. It's, it's protest related or it's, you know, preparations for a child related. You're not sure. You know, I almost feel guilty reading a book. I almost feel guilty focusing my attention somewhere else because I feel like uh, there is so much other stuff happening, and I don't want to be naive to what's going on. But at the same time, I don't want it to consume my life. Um, you know, it's just it, it's it's just wildly concerning what's what's happening around the world. And you know, my my greatest fear. There, look, there is a lot of there's a lot of good that has come out of this. We have seen a number of peaceful protests. Uh, with with uh, policemen and women and troopers involved with the protests and taking a stand and we've seen deputies um, speak out we've seen deputies join join hand-in-hand we've seen a lot of good but there's also been just as much if not more bad that's come out of it with um, you know political organizations and and that that that's my biggest fear Greg is you've got uh, an opportunity or or what some political groups believe is an opportunity to take advantage and, um, and and that's what's scary to me is because there are a lot of people out there that Instead of listening with an open ear and an open heart what's what's happening is They're just getting further and further entrenched in what they already believe and instead of you know Opening your mind and, and listening and come up with a solution What's happening is there's just growing more and more hatred in your heart for the other side and, and I, that scares me because I don't know that that's ever going to just go away. Um, I do think that the, the amount of people, specifically white people, uh, s- using their platforms, whether it be athletics, whether it be uh, movie fandom, whether it be just, just politicians, whatever that are using their platform to speak up against racism, it's encouraging. I do still think there's a lot of people that, uh, are pretty close-minded to that idea that everybody's treated the same regardless of the color of their skin, and and that's insane to me. I reached out to a, a black friend of mine, former Husker athlete, this weekend, and we chatted about it, that here we're both getting ready to bring in new children. The fact that it's 2020 and we're having to have this same conversation that you saw in the movie, remember the Titans in the 70s, um, that we're having these same conversations that we had um, you know, back in the Civil War time, I found a, a baseball book in my parents' garage this weekend. Started reading it. Started reading about Cap Anson and the in the racism that was surrounding baseball in the um, early 20th century in the early 1900s. It's disheartening that nothing's changed in 2020, and that's scary to me. And, and and like I said, the biggest the biggest thought that I have is I'm worried for our society that when things like this happen, you've got people, instead of opening their hearts and opening their minds, digging their ha- their feet in the sand even further what they already believe and becoming even more
0: closed-minded than they already are? Well, I think, I think you have an awful lot of people that feel that way. I, I, the, the protests, I, I'm all for those folks. I, I will stand on a hill and fight off anybody for people to have the right to go peacefully protest to say what they want to say. They need to be heard. They should be heard. They should be speaking out. I'm all for that. What we've now turned to, though, is we have a small element that then has taken advantage of this and goes out and just starts smashing windows and doing those type of things, On the backs of this, and that's what bothers me. You talked about being a parent. I do want to mention Amy Williams, Husker women's basketball coach, who is married to an African American. She put out a very heartfelt post again. This was yesterday. I'm going to read this to everybody in case you missed it. I've been trying to process the events of this past week, which began with the senseless death of George Floyd. I have felt sadness, anger, disbelief, frustration, and fear. I have cried a lot of tears, prayed a lot, but mostly I have been listening. Listening to my husband describe how he feels when he is the subject of unjust suspicion. Listening to some of my best friends describe the fear they have raising their beautiful black sons in today's world. Listening to the players I've been blessed to coach discuss their experiences as black women living among today's social injustices listening to my daughters ask questions about what the color of their skin could cause them to face in their futures. I will continue to have difficult conversations about the social injustices that exist in our world. I will do all I can to lead for change. I will continue to pray for those I love and for all the people to feel safe and valued. Another great message from Amy Williams. So kudos to her and to Fred Hoiberg. Terrific job showing some leadership out of the Husker Athletic Department.
1: Yeah, and, and and that's that's the amazing thing as a coach, you know, you get to experience, and to us too, Greg. You know, we're, we've been around athletics at the University of Nebraska a long time, and it's not just Nebraska; it's everywhere where we get to know black student athletes from all over the world. i, I become um, friends with a couple of them, and and they we, still talk to them this day, and 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 the amazing thing is to see that. You know, these student athletes come from all over the United States and to see what kind of people they turn into when they leave here. Uh, it's truly amazing. And, and there's no and it's even more the more so the case as a coach, because they go and recruit these players out of high school. Mm-hmm. They want them to become be a part of their team and their university. Uh, they're with them every day to make them grow on and off the floor, on and off the field, uh, wh- whatever. And, and then they get to see send them off into the world and see how how they, you know, prosper outside of college and and there's one example that that comes to mind greg of just how powerful the right situation can be in for somebody who's not as fortunate growing up and that's mikhail wilbon a lot of people know that mikhail's from the inner city in chicago where uh, gang violence and just being from a bad area has gotten the best of basically everybody in his neighborhood and that was the path that was down that that he was headed down if he didn't find his escape which was football he had a gift on the football field and he earned a a college scholarship not something that's very popular in his area came to nebraska um and i know people aren't going to remember McHale for the amount of carries yards or touchdowns he had in nebraska but greg McHale got his degree he got his college degree from the inner city in Chicago. He's become a spokesperson for the university about, uh, you know, black rights and, and, and civil rights. And, you know, he has used his opportunity of a football gift to turn a life around where that could have been down the wrong path. You see, we see firsthand what the opportunity of, of, a, of a college scholarship, the opportunity at Nebraska or any university can give young black people who aren't from the best areas and it's truly amazing, and it's awesome to see those stories. I wish there was more of those stories. But, um, you know, I, I truly feel for all the coaches, the trainers, uh, the support staff, people who are around these these young people every day and, and have to learn from them and make them feel safe and make them feel comfortable, make them feel like they want to come back to wherever they are and participate in whatever sport that they're playing in.
0: Well, that's a great story, and, and tip kudos to Mikhail, and he's one of many that have made their way through the University of Nebraska and are doing wonderful things with their life, and so good good for him. Well, a lot to talk about. Obviously, this is front and center. This is what's on top of everybody's mind. There is some Husker football news that we'll get to as we make our way through the show tonight. In fact, there's some recruiting news that we'll get to with Greg Smith from Hale Varsity, a commitment over the weekend for the Huskers. Also, a young man leaving the program, which is kind of a surprising. And Greg Smith will also, I'm sure, have some thoughts about all the things that we're dealing with as uh, a society right now as well welcome back sports nightly here on the husker
1: sports network on a monday night thanks to everybody for dialing us up hopefully everybody had a safe and productive weekend we are off and rolling here on our monday show and happy to welcome on our first guest of the night greg smith from hale varsity greg normally have you on to just talk about recruiting but be remiss if we didn't start out by talking with you just about everything that's going on especially you know as a black man in this country and and somebody who's you know trying to uh, you know mobilize and uh, make sure that everything's going the way that that they want them and their family to be treated and and for you i know this hits really close to home let's just start first with how you're holding up and how you're doing
2: I'm holding up fairly well. Thanks for asking. Um, there, there's just been, like we were saying out it, there, it's kind of been a lot, right? It, you already have um, kind of the big thing out there with kind of the response to COVID-19 and all of that. Just as we started to see, I guess, a little bit of change as far as trying to get back to normal or taking steps towards normal on that, um, you really have kind of racial tensions ramping back up in the country um, after the situation up in Minneapolis with George Floyd and his death, um, and then it's kind of spilled over around the country and and it's been Something to really see, because I think that this one, it kind of hit differently for a lot of people. And I think that that's why you've seen kind of the outpouring around the country. Um, And then as you are aware of, you know, you have the the shooting in Omaha as well and the different things and protests and stuff out there. Um, So it's just been one thing after another. It's it's, it's just been a lot to process um, and trying to think about like kind of my place as a black man in this country um, and where I fit in and, and where, you know, what people think of you and all of that it's just been a, a lot and has been a lot of different conversations uh, with a lot of friends
1: great you I, I'm sure in Nebraska you know set our deal with a set a different set of circumstances than depending on where you're at in the country but we're all trying to to get on the same page with one common goal here but I, I if I recall your wife is from the south and the southeast what what part has that dynamic brought into you You know where racial tensions tend to be maybe a little higher uh, and just you know how that's kind of formed your background your perception and you know your, your guys life together.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's it's actually super interesting um, because my, my wife is from Mississippi, um, so you know people have, you know their preconceived notions and earn justifiably so based on their history um, in particular about people from there, and so it really shaped her with her interactions with black people as a kid, um, but the kind of the other way and seeing that they had their own struggles and issues, she was always someone that wanted to be a friend to them um, and wanted to try to seek to understand like that's Always just kind of been her thing um and, and so that's one of the things that i kind of love about her right um, and then my grandparents are from mississippi as well before they kind of immigrated up to chicago where i'm originally from um, and so we kind of had that connection there um, and it definitely shapes things because you just see so much um and all the different sides and angles of the battle with racism and to, to fight for equality and for people to try to have equal rights um it, it's something that i've kind of seen all sides on just based on the different things that i've seen in my life and, and, and who i've married
1: tell us a little bit about greg you know what what all went into the statement that you put out on twitter uh for those that haven't haven't seen it yet uh look greg greg up on twitter he put it together a, a very thoughtful uh, statement this weekend at Greg Smith HV uh, why you thought to do this where it came from and really what you what you'd hoped you know people would get out of reading it
2: yeah, you know, I, I'm always someone that likes to kind of stop and wait and kind of let things unfold before I really say anything publicly. And I would, that would be if I did not have a somewhat public job and people somewhat knew me. I'm not trying to give myself more credit than I need to on that. Um, or if I was just, you know, I worked at a bank or something, right? Um, and so I felt that it was important for me to put the statement out that I did because I wanted to give people a sense of my perspective and where I was coming from. And part of it, is that I do fully understand that there are going to be people listening to this or there are Husker fans out there um, or just people around the country that are white that have a totally different experience than what I had. And because of that, um, different experience you're just not naturally going to think about what it would be like for me to go through certain things that I've gone through so I say in the statement about different things that I have to think about um, as a black guy in this country and especially being in a place that's predominantly white where I'm I wave to my neighbors on purpose and talk go of my way to talk to them and smile at them because I want them to know that I live here like just in case there is some sort of incident in which they feel the need they feel threatened and they feel the need to call the police they know that this is my house um, those are the sorts of things as I've kind of talked to different people um, after I put the statement out, that I just don't think that people always consider and think about it. When you're thinking about that level of thought that I have to go, have to put in sometimes in my daily activities in life, um, you can imagine then how that can balloon out and mushroom out um, to even bigger issues, whether or not we're talking about dealing with police or what have you. There's just a lot of different things that I think that people just don't think about. Um, and it's not always malicious, and I don't want to say it that way. It's I know it's not always malicious, but sometimes it is. We need to acknowledge both um, because they both definitely exist. Um, And so I just wanted people to stop and think. That was my whole goal of it, and I've had some really productive conversations uh, after putting this statement out.
1: Well, Greg, we we truly do appreciate you know the the insight because as you said, you know, being me being a middle-aged white guy, you know, that grew up in Omaha, I I don't have the same perspective as you, and, and it takes things like that for for some of us to understand. I've gotten to know a lot of black athletes at Nebraska, different backgrounds where they came from, but you know, th- there's never enough information, there's never enough insight. So we appreciate you sharing that, and and thank you for for doing that, and. For those again that haven't checked it out add greg smith hv uh go check the him out on twitter and and give that statement a read uh well we didn't have you on here to just talk about uh the some of the scary stuff that's happening in real life let's bring it back to what you do for a living maybe this has provided a little bit of escape for you in your job maybe it's just added to the stretch i'm not sure but uh recruiting at nebraska continuing to move along and i guess Uh, A recruit that we didn't necessarily expect to talk about, a recruit, I should say, current signee, current member of the team, and Henry Gray. Um, You, along with all of us, kind of learned about this. When did you first get a hint, Greg, about Henry Gray and and what type of situation he was dealing with that is going to pull him away from Lincoln?
2: Yeah, for me on that one, it really was Friday afternoon shortly before that news kind of came out when he put his statement out um, because it was kind of a surprise because it's just something that's not on your radar. You've been around the team and just sports long enough to know that everyone, like you kind of have a little bit of a thought on guys that might be, I guess, flight risk to kind of need to leave and go home, um, or guys that are maybe going into the transfer portal because, you know, playing time might be cut, or there's a new guys that have come into their rooms, um, and there's all sorts of different situations for that, right? But you don't necessarily expect that to happen with a guy that just got to campus and early enrolled and was so adamant and pro Nebraska um, during the recruiting process to a point where he was really one of the big peer recruiters in that 2020 recruiting class like that one was it was a surprise that um, he cited a family situation which you just never know um, with those and, and this is I think going to be a little bit of the byproduct of what happened with the quarantine um, and, and guys being separated from the team as you are I think going to see a few of these situations around the country because you just don't know what kids are dealing with when they go back home we said that a lot when it talks about when we were, we've been talking about strength and conditioning and guys getting ready but there's another kind of human element to that of what guys are all also dealing with that home that has nothing to do with football and trying to stay in shape right um, so you wish him well and hope he finds a good landing spot
1: Greg Smith from Hill varsity is our guest here on Sports Nightly Greg that kind of leads me into my next question what what talks have you had with recruits with analysts with parents with peers uh, about this recruiting process in particular and what it could mean for potential decommitments, flips uh, guys waiting to commit. I mean, what what has this done to the process? I guess just based on the conversations you had with all the different entity coaches, recruits,
2: analysts, all all the alike. There is not a single person that you talk to about this that will tell you that they're not expecting some sort of wild, wild west out there. When A, when things open back up, and B, when we get into the season and then get towards December um, for the early signing period, everyone is kind of bracing themselves for it to be crazy. There's been just a record number of commitments that have happened, um, so there. So really, I would say the overall impact on timelines is that guys are moving up, um, and it really is a domino effect because if, if one kid gets in the class, let's say. In a Nebraska has two spots in their 2021 class for wide receivers. Well, if you have Sean Hardy you get in the class like he did on Friday, um, then you say we only have one more spot, and you're talking to a number of wide receivers. Even if kids haven't been able to take a visit to Nebraska, they may say, hey, I want to go ahead and lock my spot in because I know I kind of like Nebraska. It may not necessarily be 100% my choice right now, but I'm going to reserve that spot for lack of a better term, and then we'll see what happens down the road. The byproduct of that is that you haven't built as strong of a connection as you normally would have, and so that kid would be more susceptible to flip later on, and that's happening all over the country, right? Um, And so that's why so many people, including myself, think that we're going to see a lot of decommitments and movement later on in this recruiting cycle.
1: Greg, you talked a little bit about the Husker situation at wide receiver in this class. They got a commitment in Sean Hardy. Uh, They had Jalen Noel choose Ohio State over Nebraska uh, this last weekend. How much did did Noel's decision maybe get impacted by Hardy? And that being said, what what type of guy is Hardy? There there seems to be a a lesser-known recruit that maybe isn't as flamboyant on social media as some others. What can you tell us about this situation at Nebraska receiver with these two guys?
2: Yeah, I don't at first I don't think that they had really much to do with each other in terms of spots or in terms of like they wanted one Nebraska put pressure on one to get the other or anything like that. I, they're two different types of receiver. Um Noel is more of that slot guy that can also play a little bit of that running back duckar um type of role that Nebraska likes. Hardy um is more of your classic outside receiver which is needed <laughs> at Nebraska he's more he's 6'3, uh 190, so he's definitely a different type of receiver whereas Noel is like 5'11, 170, 180 um, so there are two different types of receivers. Um, but when you you, know, you mentioned something I, I meant to mention before, so I'm glad you did, is that we're going to hear this more. This is going to happen more where guys are kind of off the radar and then end up being in Nebraska's class. Um, and it'll come as a little bit of a surprise because we already knew from previous cycles that Nebraska does a really good job of keeping in contact with guys um, and really kind of steadily building that relationship. And then all of a sudden, you look up and Nebraska has a Jaden Francois who you didn't even really know that they were in contact with but they had been doing a great job with behind the scenes, right? I think we're just going to see that a little bit earlier versus really late in the cycle. Um, But Hardy is a really good player, a terrific athlete on the outside. Like he said, he's not as loud on social media as some other kids, um, which is fine, but he's also a really bright kid. Um, He posted his grades the other day, and I always take note of that. because I think that that sets you up for good success because not only is he a good football player, um, he's smart in the classroom and be a good teammate as well.
1: Definitely. Well, it's good to know, and it's it's nice it's nice and refreshing every once in a while to get somebody like that. And a lot of times, those are the hidden gems of the class, as you said, that that come in and don't don't need all the notoriety to come with it. Uh, one last thing I wanted to, to ask you about, Greg. I don't think I've asked you this since we've we've talked to you last. What's what's the concern level from the people that you deal with, and maybe even yourself, about recruiting in-state, and and then the feedback you've gotten from some of the commitments to to programs elsewhere in Nebraska, from Johnson to Iowa, from Dickerson to Minnesota, especially to Big Ten West schools and to Nebraska's top recruits. What's been the reaction and feedback and your take on that situation?
2: Yeah, it's been interesting because I think it's two, you're getting, I'm hearing two different things from the players and then from the high school coaches in the state. I think the players in the state um, have been a little um, nervous to really kind of go all in with Nebraska because in their kind of really football memory here recently, Nebraska hasn't been very good, uh, and they've had a lot of hype surrounding them, but they never quite live up to it, right? And so they just are trying to find more stable situations or situations that they feel are more on the rise, like in the case of Avante Dickerson in Minnesota. This is not a situation, though, where Nebraska is not really recruiting these kids because they definitely went after Dickerson. They for sure wanted Keegan Johnson in their class and did not end up at Iowa. Um, that That is what made that one so bad, um, and especially the reaction to that. But then on the flip side, high school coaches in in Nebraska are pretty impressed with Nebraska staff. I think that to a man, um, the high school coaches that I talk to say that they think that Scott Frost is going to get it done here. Um, They think that they're on the right track. They've really shown a lot of attention and love to Nebraska high schools and have gone to some of those schools that Nebraska's coaches hadn't been in in years. Um, So they're still impressed with them, and I think that Nebraska continues to recruit the state hard, um, and that's going to matter because in 2022, um, the there's three kids that are already, like, early four stars in the class. Um, Mike O'Reilly, uh, Deshaun Wood, um, and then Devin Jackson, the linebacker out of Omaha, Burke. Um, so Nebraska has its work cut out for them to keep those guys in state, but that's good for the state overall that guys are really starting to take off and colleges are noticing.
1: No doubt, and it's great to see some of the athletes in Nebraska be good enough to draw outside attention as well. I know that's been a knock-on. Uh, our state for a while is the lack of in-state talent, but you can tell it's definitely turned a corner and hopefully good news for the Husker coaches in that regard in the future. Greg Smith from Hale Varsity, our guest here on Sports Nightly. Greg, thanks so much for spending some time with us on on a troubling, confusing, frustrating, running out of words to describe this time, but we really do appreciate you carving out some time and sharing your thoughts with us tonight. Thank you.
2: Hey, thanks as always for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: During the fall on Mondays, we usually catch up with Adam Rittenberg, who covers college football in the national scene. He joins us now from Chicago. Adam, good to catch up with you. I hope you and your family are safe in some really interesting times that we're living with right now.
3: Yeah, it's been a a tough weekend here for sure, Um, and hopefully, you know things get. Uh, a little bit more peaceful around town. I know downtown's been really affected. Uh, has been fairly quiet where I live, but you know we'll we'll see we'll see how much it uh, how much it evolves here in the next couple of days. So definitely, yeah, a weird year and a weird weird weekend here this past weekend.
0: We, we've certainly heard from a lot of college football coaches about all of this, I mean, and obviously they coach and deal with young African-American men on a daily basis. I, mean, it, it, I think it's good, isn't it, that college coaches and the football side are stepping up and making comments?
3: Yeah, I think it's important for everybody to speak out, but I also think it's important not to just put out a statement and to follow up and you know, do things that, that can impact uh, uh, you know, their the communities, and you know, it was great to see, like, Mario Cristobal from Oregon was actually at a demonstration on Sunday. I know Sean Clark from Appalachian State did that, so, you know, it's always good to publicly acknowledge, but I think it's even more important sometimes to follow up uh, and, 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 you know, kind of re- uh, enact real change, because, unfortunately, we've been here before with these situations and they kind of fade away until another one comes up. But it absolutely is important because of the demographics and the type of, uh, uh, you know, just, just the reality for a lot of the young men on these teams.
0: Adam, we wanted to have you on tonight because today's june first it's the the moratorium has been lifted by the nCA for workouts voluntary workouts to begin Nebraska started some today, some other schools around the country did, but it looks like it's going to be staggered right around the country as you talk to different coaches it's going to just be kind of phase in over the next month. Is that how you understand it
3: well you know, it depends on yeah you're right I think it depends on the league and you' know, and even if leagues have put out blanket dates when football players can come back. It doesn't mean every school in that league will be open on that date. For example, the Big 12 is allowing voluntary activities in football to begin on on June 15th, but Oklahoma has already said that they're not going to start until July 1st with their football team. And so, um, you know, and the Big 10 is really leaving it up to the individual schools. Illinois, I think this week, will be the first to have athletes back uh, for voluntary workouts. Ohio State has said that they're going to uh, you'll follow next week, along with Iowa and some others. But then uh, you know, Northwestern, for example, they're in finals, and so they're not going to have their athletes back until later in the month and you know that's going to be again just different school to school region to region the sec has already put out june 8th as a date that uh it can begin voluntary activities in football and i imagine most of the schools in that league to start on the 8th but some might be a little bit later on so you know this is again the first phase i really think the important thing to be monitoring is when the uh the organized activities begin the practices and the true preseason of sorts when does that actually start leading leading up to, this, to the football season.
0: Adam, as you talk to these coaches and these administrators, how confident are they that we'll have football in the fall? Has it been growing over the last month, six weeks?
3: No doubt, uh, I think it has. You know, but again, they haven't had the athletes on campus. I think they feel confident because of things that you know they've heard in the medical community and in their conversations with their colleagues around their conferences and in some cases around the country. I think the big uh, confidence, you know, area of confidence is is with testing and the fact that you know most of these schools believe they'll have enough access to the testing that they need now the interesting thing will be to see how uniform it will be from school to school or if there'll be differences in how they do testing i was talking to an athletic director at a group of five school last week who said you know we're going to do a lot of testing but from the conversations with some of the doctors and colleagues around their conference other schools might not test as often so but i think in general the fact that you know getting a test or getting a number of tests or getting a number of tests on a regular basis, that's not going to be as difficult as it certainly was a month ago or, or six weeks ago. And it should be even easier if, you, you know, if the technology improves, especially by the fall, you know, if there can be a test by the fall that's easily administered and that you get a turnaround in even less than a day, let's say it's only half an hour, you'll know, think how much easier that will be to monitor who has the virus, and then that can prevent the large outbreak, which is the thing that everybody's the most afraid of, because that can not only affect a lot of people and their health, but that can almost take a team out of the rotation or uh, really sidetrack a season for a team. So that, that's what everyone's trying to avoid. And I think they have confidence that they won't uh, get to that point.
0: Again, visiting Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com here on Sports Nightly and the Husker Sports Network. Is it the commissioners ultimately that make the call on this, Adam, and how much are they communicating with one another?
3: Yeah, well, they do communicate regularly. The Power Five commissioners do. Uh, you know, I think they'll they have a lot of power, but uh, they're also listening to their various medical teams, and they're going to be monitoring how things go uh, here in in, the, in this in this voluntary period during the month of June. So it's going gonna, it's gonna, to it's 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 going to be an important period to kind of to dis- de- 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 to really determine when they can start the preseason. So I, I think there's going to have to be some level of uniformity with organized activities especially practices to have you know some level of competitive balance leading up to the season now there's going to be a lot of other important announcements in june just from an academic side which schools are definitely coming back with with classes uh you know w- how does the academic calendars affect uh, when these uh, these athletes can begin their organized activities you know michigan's president about a week ago said that if if everybody's not back on campus we're not going to have sports in the fall that's a pretty strong statement so has that changed and where's michigan in all of this so you know w- will it will it come to a point where they can get together and make decisions for the country and the sport, you know, they need to, but I I can certainly see some challenges for them in in terms of getting there.
0: Okay, those are the the schools that are in conferences. What about Notre Dame? How how confident, how nervous is Notre Dame right now? Because they don't really, I mean, they've got to follow along with what everybody else does, I guess.
3: Well, yes and no. I mean, they they have their agreement with the ACC. They're very connected with that league and they're making decisions in all the other sports with the ACC, all the other fall sports in addition to the the basketball and everything else that comes after it. So the only uh, concern if you're Notre Dame is if there's some type of shortened season or if uh, you know, teams can't pa- play their entire non-conference schedule, what happens to Notre Dame? If USC has to decide between playing Alabama in the first game or Notre Dame in the last game of the regular season, and they can only play one of those games, where do they decide? They probably decide to keep their rivalry with Notre Dame going, but uh, that's, uh, that's a bit of a concern if you're, if you're Jack Swarbrick. The good thing is they're so built into the ACC schedule and their Notre Dame you know, Navy's not going to want to give up the Notre Dame game. USC probably won't. Stanford probably won't. And so they're going to get kept on most schedules, even if there's a limited amount of games. So even if it's a 10-game season, you know, Notre Dame should get in those 10 games, whereas I'd be a little more worried if I were BYU or if I were Liberty or some of the other independents that were out there.
0: Well, I checked before we went on, I checked your Twitter feed. It looks like you're in the middle of a pretty fun project, putting together, what, the all-time – conference teams, and you're working with some of your NFL cohorts. Is that right?
3: Yeah, it was fun. We, we should do more of this, honestly. Uh, <laughs> it's been fun to work with our colleagues on the NFL side. It's basically going through um, the rosters uh, of these NFL teams and you know, picking the best Group of big Ten players, the best group of ACC players, and then we ended up uh, ranking you know which, which conference actually had the, the, the best team in the NFL to win this year. So you know, for example, I think it's going to be later this week, if you're the big if you're creating a big Ten team, do you go with, Russell Wilson as your quarterback, who obviously finished his career in the Big Ten, or do you go with Tom Brady, who, who, uh, who played at Michigan, or Drew Brees, who was, at the, who was at Purdue and now the Saints. So there's some tough decisions there and really tough decisions across the board. So, um, yeah, it was a fun project to do, and, and hopefully it uh, will be fun for everybody to read this week.
0: Oh, that'll be great. Fantastic. We kind of need some distractions like that. Well, Adam, always good to catch up. Glad to hear you're safe. Uh, let's hope we get this thing rolling and we're talking weekly come the fall.
3: No doubt, Greg. Appreciate you, and I agree. I think we'll have some some news here in the next three or four weeks.
0: You're in the end of the hour, time for our weekend winners. Ben McLaughlin lead us off.
1: Yeah, my winners are the are the people out there that are that are doing the protesting the right way, um, you know, peacefully and trying to get their message across without destroying your community and destroying the uh, the, the parts that that make our make our cities go and and trying to get their point across and doing it in the right way and respectful way and those police officers that are getting involved as well so um do the right way do it the right way be responsible be respectful by still but also still um you know get your message across to 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 your true feelings so those are my winners this weekend
3: very good austin Winners for me, uh, everyone involved with the launch of the SpaceX rocket. You know, we've come so far from landing on the moon and taking, you know, how much government money to do it. And despite everything that's going on, you know, it's still really cool to launch a rocket to actual outer space and take people out there. No, obviously that's not the biggest deal with everything going on in the world right now. But I still think it's really cool that some privately funded company, you know, one guy had enough money, enough resources, enough time to make that happen. And it was
0: flawless, too. I mean, yeah. nine years since we've launched, the United States has launched a rocket up. To get our astronauts who've been manning this International Space Station home, we've been having to rely on the Russian r- Russian space program to go up and pick our guys up and bring them back and shuttle them up back and forth. So for the first time in nine years, something to be launched from U.S. soil, pretty cool. And you're right, to see it done from the private uh, business is really neat. And how about the the, the stages that fall off the rocket? come back and land on a platform. I mean, he's kind of designed to do that. It's crazy. That was mine as well. But my winners are going to be Fred Hoiberg and Amy Williams stepping up with marvelous messages. Fred certainly has an affinity for the Minneapolis area because he spent some time with that organization up there. And then Amy Williams really opening up her heart as she is married to an African-American about all the questions she's having to answer for her daughters. I thought both were wonderful messages and so glad to see some Husker coaches step up and do that. So kudos to both Fred Hoiberg and Amy Williams for their messages over the weekend. All right, tomorrow night, we're going to do something we haven't done in a while, Ben. The Big Ten Blitz. All right. It's been months. Let's go. We usually did would do that kind of wrapping up spring practices for all these entities, but that didn't happen. But now campuses are starting to open again, so we're going to check uh, check out what's going on at a couple of the Big Ten campuses tomorrow night. We'll also have a top ten topic. The boys haven't come up with one yet, so we've got we have 24 hours to get that figured out. But we'll have we'll have one. We're taking one. suggestions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, if you got a suggestion, you can tweet those at us at Husker Sports if you want to throw one at us uh, for tomorrow night's program as well. We'll also have all the that- Today's headlines coming your way tomorrow on the program again good hour here always fun to hear from adam rittenberg of espn.com he really knows the ins and outs of college football great to have that and good to give you all an update on our snbl league as it hits the month of august in the standings all that here on this hour of sports i league